Yes, and we're back. July 12th, the sixth anniversary of the most anticipated sequel ever, Adam Sandler's Grown Ups 2 no. is where we are starting today, and that intro song kind of tipped you off. We are talking about the X-Men today, and we are focusing on the X-Men and incorporating them into the MCU, speculating on kind of where they're going, where we think the franchise might end up next, how to incorporate them, reviewing all the specs about the movies in the past, speculating, like I said, on where they're going in the future, and how we work them into this new world where Disney now owns everything having to do with Marvel. Well, 90% of the things having to do with Marvel. Mm -hmm. I'm your co-host Mike One. This is co-host also Mike. Also Mike here. I really loved the preparation for this episode. I watched Dark Phoenix, which is the only thing I didn't love, <laughs> but I also watched Days of Future Past. I got back into some of the cartoons. Uh, it is just so much stuff, and it's so much stuff that really you know, kind of made us who we were as children on uh, Saturday afternoons. It's been a franchise that's been with us forever. I think, I, I think it really got me into science fiction and dystopian storytelling well, there you and go. a lot of that. I think it really, you know, shaped me a little bit growing up. I mean, this was a this was an important story. It was a civil rights metaphor. X-Men, bringing that into the MCU is going to be a big deal. There's a lot of stuff out there. We're going to get into the rumors after we go over what's already been out there with the X-Men films and the comics and the TV series. And then we're going to give our wish list, Mike, yeah. on what we hope... But two caveats here. Number one, yes, we're going to spoil everything uh, in the MCU up till now. I don't. We're not going to go heavy spoilers. But Avengers Endgame, we have to talk about what you've happened seen at the it end. already. Yes. <laughs> also, the Ken Knapsack quote from the interview uh, he, he did with us: "Speculate responsibly." We're going to tell ourselves that throughout the episode, and dear listeners and true believers. We tell that to you now. So speculate responsibly. With great power comes great responsibility. Yes, sir. That should be a quote they work in at some point. At some point. Yeah. If they're good writers. Mm -hmm. We'll see. I just keep coming up with gold. I don't know what more i got to do for these people. Yeah, prized brain right there. Completely independent thought. So let's get into it, and we'll start, like Mike said, we're going to lead off. We're going to break this down, recapping the X-Men movies, the comics, the TV series, before we lead into some rumors and get to where we're going with all this. So, Mike, let's start with the comics. What do we have on the X-Men kind of the origin story here? Yeah, their origin, and I'm paraphrasing Stan Lee here, he said he was tired of telling origin stories. That's and ironic. What he wanted to do with the X-Men is just he wanted them to be. Like, just exist. Kind of so, like how Spider-Man just showed up in the MCU? Yeah, he made them just born this way, and uh, he could just call them mutants. And it wound up mirroring the political and social unrest of the times with that storyline, so it was a big deal, and it really was an, a, an idea bubble that you know, just perforated throughout the whole Marvel Universe. The Uncanny X-Men went how many ep uh, how many books? I mean, hundreds of books. And I was going to summarize all the comics. I couldn't do it. There's no. just too much out there. There's too many spinoffs. There's too many a billion awesome... different timelines. And, and we never read those. So no. full disclosure, we're not going to really dive into the comics. We're more film-oriented here. But we researched a bunch of comic book experts for this and that was a lot of fun and it made me very curious like if i go and grab some comics at some point uh, x-men comics will be where i'll go yeah I, I think you made a good point early on of talking about the civil rights and how that's incorporated into the x-men it's kind of been like their secret sauce and what they can rely on because not only you can still talk about the the parallels of the civil rights fights that are going on today but you can talk about them too with uh, all kinds of different lenses not only racial but also now sexual orientation lenses that they have to deal with that's Definitely. certainly something that i hit on in my wish list and i think that's important to focus on uh throughout where this whole entity goes, so it's something that you're going to hear probably a couple times throughout this episode. 
Yes, let's uh, dive into the films. Now there are 12 movies. I can't believe they made 12 of these. $1.67 billion went into those movies in terms of budgets for a gross of $6.02 billion. So breaking that down, it doesn't sound great. If you break that down, that's only about $3.60 prof- gross, I should say, not profit, gross, $3.60 gross for every dollar into production. If you take Dark Phoenix out of it, mm-hmm. it goes up to almost $4 gross for every $1 of production. So that kind of tells you just how bad of a bomb Dark Phoenix was for this franchise. It totally skewed, and I would say even ruined, the financial aspects of where you're viewing up these whole, uh, this whole movie list from. Do they even release New Mutants now? Why would they? They might why just they sit bother? on it. If I don't they know that they would. both are terrible. They... And that's another one that's been, like Dark Phoenix has had just a horrible production backstory horrible. if you go read about it. Horrible. Uh, if it's anything on the same quality of Dark Phoenix, I'm afraid. Anyway, X-Men came out in 2000 and X2 in 2003. Both were directed by He Who Shall Not Be Named. Bringing together the original cast, Patrick Stewart, Hugh Jackman, Famke Janssen, Jans Jansen, James Marsden, <laughs> Kelsey Grammer, Halle Berry, Ian McKellen as Magneto, Anna Paquin, and Rebecca Remain Stamos. These made good money at the time, 296 and 407 respectively at the box office. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes scores were 81% and 85% for the first two movies. Yeah, and I remember being wowed, right? Like, we had Blade in the late 90s. That was our first kind of taste of the superheroes being decently adapted, I should say, I guess, because we had the Captain America and the Avengers in the 80s. Those didn't work out very well. So we had Blade, which was kind of our first taste. Spider-Man also came soon thereafter. But X-Men, for me, X-Men was like, holy shit. It was the first we are entering this new era of movie making now. To be honest, this didn't happen for me until Spider-Man 2. Really? I wasn't a huge fan of the two... Uh, early X-Men movies. They were fine. I I enjoyed them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw them both in theaters. I was into them, but I I wasn't crazy over them. So, yes, on the one hand, it it showed Marvel the path on how they can make big money from these things, and I think they really set the standard in that regard. Uh, In terms of the intro to the X-Men in this universe, it was much like Stan Lee's. It really was a non-intro, or just went over the title sequence. They showed how the X-Gene was just basically popping for mutants, and you went through all the blue during that credit sequence to, to open up the movie, and then bam, you have mutants just kind of existing and being persecuted and they're in some are in freak shows some are weaponized yeah, mutants weren't like deformed they weren't they, there was just like a the next step of human evolution which right. is really kind of a fascinating take on it and it, that's why the parallel to civil rights and all the the hardships that certain uh, minority sex face up until this day were able to find a relationship to these to these characters because it was just being humans essentially Essentially, uh, X-Men The Last Stand was the final movie of that trilogy in 2006. Another director who shall not be named directed it. This was kind of shat upon by critics, the first of the three, 57% on Rotten Tomatoes, but the box office was even better than the last two, 459 million. I just remember being so excited to see Juggernaut. Right. In that one, and then being so disappointed with what Juggernaut was in that one. That was a disappointing movie. That was one of the biggest disappointments. And maybe yeah. that tells you something about how I actually felt about the first two, that I liked them more than I let on. You're, you're not alone. I mean, Last Stand left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, and especially because there was such a rapid descent 
X1 was something like we've never really seen before. X2 was still good, but it was like you could start seeing some cracks. And then the last stand, it was like, what the hell happened here, guys? The fight sequences in X2, especially the opening of that, was phenomenal. Yeah. And I was I was starting to get high hopes for the overall franchise. Now, coming out of that first trilogy, the character I loved the most, like most people, was Wolverine. Oh, I thought you were going to say Sabretooth. <laughs> so Wolverine <laughs> gets his own movie, X-Men Origins, in 2009. This was just way too much screaming. Liev Schreiber will never do a superhero movie again. <laughs> but it made money. $373 million worldwide with only a 37% Rotten Tomatoes. So the best part of that movie was the opening credits, mm. where they show Wolverine and Sabretooth fighting various wars throughout history mm -hmm. and them being actual soldiers throughout time and facing all these hardships it was the most misleading thing ever i actually think it made a list either on what culture or or watch mojo and it, the, some kind of list was like the 10 most the 10 best scenes in terrible movies yeah because it was so off-putting you started on such a high and then you got the wolverine movie <laughs> way too many screams yeah X-Men First Class came in 2011, kind of the reboot here that we that we thought of at the time. This was better than the last two movies, but still, for me, this was a bit of a disappointment, although I agreed with political statements being made, I, I would say. 363 million, you enter that new cast of Jem Jennifer Lawrence, James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, Nicholas Holt, 86% on Rotten Tomatoes, so this was well-received director of Kick-Ass there. I never understood why this one was as well-received as it was. I liked it. I think it was better than The Last Stand in the Wolverine movie, but 86, people talk about it how it's like one of the best superhero movies ever. I never got that. I never understood why. Critics are so reactive. Yeah. They really are. We had Rose Byrne, January Jones, Kevin Bacon. It was, a it was a really good movie, but I just wasn't, I would not put it in 86 on there my tomato meter. a great sequence with Michael Fassbender killing Nazis. Sure. We're going to yeah. you know, review an Inglorious Bastard soon, but I, I was into that sequence the most out of that movie, and then it kind of just got bogged down. I, I think the teenagers weren't funny enough. I think that's a major problem with X-Men and Fox. I never thought of it as a way to like reboot the franchise. Well, I guess kind of. I never thought of it as a way to like make an awesome movie. I thought of it as a way to get the franchise in the hands of Jennifer Lawrence. True. That's what I took that movie as. True. And so I never understood why everyone was so, it's great! Okay. But then again, her origin story is so boring! <laughs> Sorry. All right, we get back to the Wolverine in 2013. James Mangold does the fabled Japan storyline, and in my opinion, just crushes it. This was uh, 414 at the box office. Big hit, 71% on the tomato meter. Like, how is this less than the last tomato meter score for first class? How is that possible? I, I don't know about crushes. You, you seem to be higher on it than I was. It certainly was better than the first Wolverine movie. That's one of the better X-Men movies up to date. I, I absolutely agree with that. I was very pleasantly surprised because... I actually, I remember I bought those as a two-pack, and mm -hmm. I watched the first Wolverine movie first, and mm -hmm. I was like, why did I buy this? <laughs> but I was surprised. This was Wolverine 2013 was a good movie. Well, we're hitting a good stage, because X-Men Days of Future Past comes yeah. in 2014. By far the best non-spinoff, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, probably the best movie thus far. 747 million worldwide. We bring the cast together in a very Star Trek way. 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. You got the time travel aspect. I really dug this movie on, upon rewatch this morning. So it's, I can report, it's still very good. So this was the Kevin Bacon one? No. Or was that first? This was, was the uh, Peter class. Dinklage one. First class. Okay, this is the Peter Dinklage one. I see, yes. Uh, I get those two confused, if you couldn't tell by that exchange just then. <laughs> 
it, very, very strong movie. I love the Fassbender Mystique storyline there. Yes. I, I love the whole Professor X storyline. And the, the old crew, the OGs, do a great job in the dystopian future and kind of that back and forth. I like that sort of thing, as we're going to get into when we talk about our theories going forward. After Days of Future Past, though, Mike, we have Deadpool in 2016, a monstrous hit, 783 million worldwide, 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is definitely my favorite film of the entire series, really overall. I, I think regardless it. of how you feel about it objectively, it's you, you can't say it was anything but a massive success and a huge surprise. Ryan Reynolds really was the driving force behind getting this made. He was attached to it for years and years and years. And he admitted in recent interviews over the last couple of years that he was leaking stuff himself on the internet, yeah. on the Reddit boards and stuff, to try and motivate the fans to want this to happen. It finally did. There was a lot of questions going into it. It was the first, well, not the first R-rated, but they hard R-rated with the language and the stuff they used, the type of movie it was going to be, and it was a wild success. I think he just wanted to redeem himself after playing Deadpool before with no mouth. Or the Green Lantern? Possibly, possibly. <laughs> X-Men Apocalypse was also released in 2016. Greatest film of all time. 543 million, 47% Rotten Tomatoes, Oscar Isaac is Apocalypse. And that's all you can say about that. Look, there's a great scene with uh, the fast guy in this movie. Who was a throw-in, essentially. Yeah, yeah I, I awesome agree. Scene. The, the Quicksilver scene was great. Just Fast a missed, man. Missed opportunity. Just a missed opportunity. Yeah, this really fell flat for me yeah. at the end. Uh, Logan redeems it in 2017, though. This was Oscar-nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Yeah. James Mangold is back. He'll be doing Ford versus Ferrari, Ferrari this year, or Ferrari. Either one. Uh, and uh, this one made $619 million and it had a 93% Rotten Tomato score. This was a splash hit. Uh, nothing you can really say about that other than you're probably going to be responsible should Endgame find its way into the Academy conversation? Should Captain Marvel at some point, any of the sequels that we have, Black Panther just did it last year, this is going to be seen as the forerunner and the forefather of actually breaking the glass ceiling of getting these superhero movies Academy recognition. So it was definitely a forerunner for Black Panther, and we hope Avengers Endgame yep. this year, and we'll see. Deadpool 2 came out in 2018, 785 million worldwide, 83% Rotten Tomato score. We loved it as a sequel. X Force was introduced hilariously. One we of the covered it. Funniest scenes in any movie I've ever seen. <laughs> we have a uh, movie event review on this thing, and it was a blast. Yes. Dark Phoenix came out this year. Michael, this is my first F grade on a movie, maybe ever. So sad. This is just a complete and total disaster from the score to the performances to the dialogue. I cannot believe I wasted the time finishing this movie. Like, I should have left, but I did finish it. <laughs> See what I do for all you people? Yeah, you're a hero. You are a hero among men. 249 million worldwide, 23% Rotten Tomato score. That 249, don't be fooled by it. It was on like a $200 million budget. That thing is tanking. That That's a bomb. They're chalking up about $100 million plus in losses right yeah, now. Yeah, so Disney paid $71.3 for Fox. Yeah, jump change. Chump change, but you know what's chump change? The numbers we talked about earlier. If it made, you know, two billion, yeah, the series as a whole, then that's not cutting into this seventy. I mean, we're gonna have to have twenty X Men movies from Marvel to 
get even you know a half of that. Well, if you're back. if you're talking about just movies, yeah. But don't worry, you also have the toys and the licensing that'll comes with it, and it's going to make money regardless. They're going to have to. Disney's going to have to make alien movies or something. Disney's going to have to do <laughs> other stuff to recoup all that that you know upfront cost. I'm but, not weeping for the House of Mouse recouping money. Here. I'm just saying this is a big plan. This is an yeah. overarching plan. So we're going to start to get into that. I just wanted to run down the TV series real quick. 92 to 97, you had the X-Men cartoon series that we watched. One of the greatest intro songs in the history of television. Five seasons of that, and I love that intro song as a gift. Never mind going back. I mean, it makes me happy. Yeah, you're right. One of the greatest intros to television ever. Absolutely. Uh, 2000 to 2003, X-Men Evolution. There was four series of that. I remember watching a few of those. I don't think I ever saw anything other than the original cartoon series. Right. Uh, 2009, you had one season of Wolverine and the X-Men. I'd never seen that. I think it was on MTV, if I remember right. I may be wrong, but yeah. You definitely had the brown suit for Wolverine here, so that was interesting. 2017 to 2019, you had three seasons of Legion on FX. This is the Noah Hall show where you have a mutant diagnosed with schizophrenia the first season was okay i just didn't stick with it past that i've always wanted to dive in only because all that's aubrey plaza is in that correct aubrey plaza i'm very, I'm, I'm very I, I love seeing her spread her creative wings i want to see her in a mutant property but i just haven't if you want in. aubrey plaza mutant goods yeah. you get them there yeah. no question about it the final season just aired this past june we have 2017 up to 2019, you had uh, two seasons of The Gifted on Fox. <laughs> that didn't do anything. At didn't all. do well. <laughs> all right, so let's dive into the rumors. And I wanted to open up this discussion on kind of highlighting the big issue here. Mm-hmm. The big issue is that mutants should be in the MCU by now. And it's safe to say mutants. Like it wasn't before when Fox was independently running these companies. The MCU was barred from using the term. Yeah. Cyclops and Wolverine, they're in the Infinity War comics. Do we think that the MCU tried to borrow Hugh Jackman at any point? Did they reach out? Did that start Fox's leverage on them on Marvel Studios, do you think? I think it's all speculation. I mean, whether or not we think it ever happened, it, it, it never came to pass. Do I, do I think there was any conversation made? It really doesn't seem like the X-Men were ever considered at any point in the MCU. At least that's how it reads to me and how it seems to me. They tried to write them out, or they hoped they could buy them at some or point. Or right around them, yeah. I mean, Spider-Man plays, and I know, having not read the comics, I know Spider-Man plays an intricate role in Civil War, in that comic book story. Mm-hmm. So that kind of makes sense. House of M, Avengers versus X-Men, all these crossover comic book storylines that involve both the X-Men and Avengers were never really alluded to in the MCU. So to me, I don't think it was ever I don't think it was an, I think it was a non-starter. Yeah, not at this point it's all their playground. We'll yeah. see how they figure it out, but mutants exist on a worldwide scale. So this would be a massive change for the MCU. Sure. It should have been a massive change already if it, if they stuck with the comics. So we get superheroes popping up everywhere. That That's huge. That's a huge change. It's a big difference, absolutely. So they can go a couple different ways. They can have mutants always having been there. They're myth, they're legend, they're hiding, they're persecuted, they're part of uh, the government. Because we look at all the origin stories. We have Magneto having a World War II Holocaust origin story. We have Logan basically fighting in every war, like we said. Mm-hmm. These are a big part of the comics and of the, the first series of movies. So I'm wondering if this group of superheroes is like the mentally unstable 
versions of the Avengers that we have, who some of those are mentally unstable, but I wonder if they're going to be looked at as the outcasts. I wonder if that's a captivating story, and if they're the ones with all the baggage, they're the ones that have been in hiding or have been, you know, essentially imprisoned. That could be a, an interesting way to do this. Or you could just lean into the multiverse idea from that Marvel's already started, and you could just say that, that one of the timelines that exists right now is that all humans are mutants. Well, Alright, let, let's put a pin in that for a moment, but I think I think that's a definite possibility. I don't know if they ran with the multiverse idea or if they're gonna run with the multiverse. I, Spider-Man didn't Spider-Man. help us out. <laughs> they mentioned it, but it seemed yeah. like a yada yada mm-hmm. misdirection. Right. So we don't know. But does this school already exist? Does Xavier's school already exist somewhere? Uh, is the government keeping them secret? Is there a government agency like S.H.I.E.L.D. was for the Avengers, the Avengers Initiative, that's already been working? Is Stryker out there somewhere already? He's always been out there. The biggest clue to all this, for me, is that Marcus and McFeely were interviewed on a red carpet, and they said mutants could already be out there. And this kind of sticks with the ultimate universe theory, the ultimate universe being perhaps the most guiding light for the Mm -hmm. Marvel Cinematic Universe thus far, and we're going to get into that in a minute. So I wonder if they stick with that ultimate universe storyline, which would basically require that these mutants are already out there. Regardless of the approach you're going to take with it, if you're going to say they're already out there the whole time, they already exist... You're going to need creative writers, and obviously the MCU has this, but you're going to need creative writers to answer all these questions because they're going to be obvious objections people bring up. Yes. As soon as we're introduced, the X Men are introduced in the MCU. Why have they not? Why did it take them? Look, canonically, why did it take them this long to show up? Not the, you know Doctor Strange problem. Or you, you could just have Deadpool talk about it in a very meta way and say we couldn't do this until Marvel bought, or Disney bought Fox. They can definitely joke <laughs> away the obvious yeah. objections there and I think they will do some of that. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I would be surprised if they get bogged down in the origin stories but let's just say this film Twitter and YouTube and everybody they are getting bogged down. They so let's, certainly have their ideas. Let's happily get bogged down yeah. for a few minutes here. Start out with what Kevin Feige has been saying. So after Marvel purchased the MCU Feige says it's going to be a very long time, quote, a very long time before we get X-Men in the MCU. He didn't go, long, long time. <laughs> he did not. No. He also said that in terms of introductions, the X-Men could be introduced similarly to Black Panther and Spider-Man. You so could... that means, to me, he doesn't know what he wants to do with them. Because right. Spider-Man just shows up. We're all just familiar with who Spider-Man is, the first introduction to him. He's just in the middle of the Civil War. Right. He just appears. And we're all like, oh, that's Spider-Man. We all know Spider-Man. And Black Panther is given this lush expository background with this whole culture that's all his and this whole land that's all, it's fictionalized, but it has this grand history. So those, you know, that's like saying, well, it's either going to be oil or water. Mm -hmm. Like, what the fuck? Okay, what? That means nothing. (laughs) All right, let's jump ahead and look at Phase 4 for a minute while we're talking about Feige and, and the MCU. That is, Mike... We have Black Widow coming out, I think, next spring. And then the following fall looks like to be the Eternals. Now, the Eternals could tell us some clues based on these comic book experts and what they're saying about the X-Gene and how experiments by Celestials or four Celestials, I don't remember which. I listened to this, I don't remember. But 
they basically can start to give you the origin story of how the mutant gene has been dormant in human beings, and then it could be activated millennia later. This could, could be activated with the purchasing of Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. A $71.8 billion deal. We'll do it. Activates Money. that gene. Uh, you could have the new Avengers story that comes out. I think we're going to get a new Avengers in some way, shape, or form. At some point. They've been on record saying it's not. Go- it's going to be a long time before our next Avengers movie. But obviously, I agree. We're at some point, we're going to get to that next Avengers phase. We think we're getting a Shang-Chi movie. Heavily in- rumored. I would be very surprised if that didn't happen. In phase four. And uh, Rob at Comics Explained on YouTube, he did talk about Shang-Chi being a part of that new Avengers. So that could happen. So again... We have Black Widow and the Eternals. We have Shang-Chi. Those are kind of the new properties. But you're going to have sequels, and they're already essentially greenlit for Guardians 3. You're going to have sequels to Black Panther 2, Spider-Man 3, Captain Marvel 2. Mike, that's seven movies already. And there's other issues within the Marvel Cinematic Universe already that you have to address before even getting to the X-Men and the introduction of them. The biggest one to me that I've talked about a lot already is you got to figure out what the hell's happening with Spider-Man. True. Because he's got one movie left on his deal. Unless Sony and Marvel have worked something new out. Tom Holland as Spider-Man in the MCU has one movie left to be used before his rights revert back to Sony. And they reintroduce him into the Tom Hardy Venomverse that they've been building. Or or even the Spider-Verse cartoon uh, movie that came out last year. So... I think that is the biggest issue that the MCU is facing right now before they even worry about bringing in this whole new swath and cast of characters. And they have seven movies that they want to do, at the very least. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you could do something else with Sony. You could continue to work with Sony going forward. So I think this is important to highlight that when Kevin Feige says it's going to be a while, I buy that. Because I don't think this is a priority. As much as a priority as it is in our hearts and fans' hearts, like, let's go, let's see the X-Men with the Avengers, I do think it's going to be a long time. Long, long time. So after the Avengers Endgame came out, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit on you, Mike, here, but we had the Infinity Stones, we had the Infinity Gauntlet storyline being praised by all the critics. Oh, they built this up over 22 movies. Right. We got caught up in this as well. The fact of the matter is, Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, Thor 1, The Incredible Hulk, really the first four movies of the MCU didn't have an Infinity Stone front and center of it, didn't have an Infinity Stone as a, as a MacGuffin. You didn't get one of those until Captain America, the first Avenger, and then it wasn't necessarily in each and every movie. You know, Ant-Man didn't really have it front and center. So, so we romanticize our in our minds about stuff like that because, yes, you're right. We will all say, oh, it was built up over 22 movies. You obviously just made the case that that's not so. There's this weird thing that happens with comic book movies that, in, in like the introduction of Spider-Man to the MCU, right? Mm-hmm. It's half you're relying on the viewer's knowledge and half we need it explained to us. So I, it's going to be very tricky for me when you introduce these new characters. I wonder how much of us are going to want that backstory to have all these objections explained and how much of us are just like, whatever, we know the X-Men, they're here now, just give it to us. Well, look at what they just did with Spider-Man Far From Home. We all thought the multiverse was coming. Mm -hmm. So are we that hungry for the next humongous 20-movie storyline? Are we that hungry for it and we need it now? Or will they have kind of another transition phase? Because phase one, in many ways, was a transition phase. At least an expository phase, yeah. Yeah, did did they even know there were going to be phases? Did Mm -hmm. they even have that grand plan yet? I wonder if, in fact, you're going to get the Eternals, you're going to get prequels, you're going to get the Disney Plus series. They may go in that direction. Okay, so let's talk about some 
fan theories at this point. My first question for you is, is the Fantastic Four going to come first? Like, we're all ready for the X-Men coming first, but they can go a direction with Doctor Doom getting a hold of all the vibranium, and then all the heroes basically have to fight him because he's super strong because he gets a hold of all of that. So, in answering that question, I'm going to answer a question you didn't ask, <laughs> which is to say that by incorporating the new Marvel, or the Fox-owned, previously Fox-owned Marvel properties, we talk all the time about how the MCU has this imaginary villain problem. Yeah. I think that gets solved here. There's a lot of good villains in X-Men. There's a lot of good villains in Fantastic Four. True. There's a lot of good villains that they can incorporate. I wouldn't be surprised if the villains, like Doctor Doom, make an appearance prior to the Fantastic Four, prior to X-Men coming, any of the X-Men coming over. That wouldn't shock me at all. Would we see the Fantastic Four, to answer your question, are we going to see the Fantastic Four before the X-Men? Half of me says yes. The other half of me says, why bother? Disney already has a perfect Fantastic Four movie, and it's called The Incredibles by Pixar. <laughs> so why double dip like that? So I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't know where I would bet place my money on that. I don't know either. I think that the ultimate universe theory is interesting, that basically mutants have to be discovered, mm -hmm. and Robert Comics explained, I'll mention him again a few times, really, but he talks about Wolverine being the first mutant discovered. I think this is a ri risky proposition, Mike, because Wolverine's going to be the hardest one to redo because he was the most successfully done by Fox. The most substantiated, at least, I'm sure, with his backstory. And even if you take that away, if you want to wash that all out, everybody knows Wolverine's backstory. Everyone knows how Wolverine became... You know, X-23 became adamantium all throughout his... True. People know that, so you can't just explain that away in a different way, I don't think, at least without getting some backlash. It's also super serious and based on yeah. torture and yeah. mad science. That's something different for the MCU. Mm -hmm. All of this is much more serious for the MCU. I think I'm most intrigued to see how they're going to make it funny in action comedy. I don't think they should. I know we're going to disagree about that. I know you want it a little more lighthearted. I still think if you make the kids like you made the kids in spider-man and they're just kids and right. they have you can have some fun with that uh, i mean look there's wolverine in his movies he makes jokes right i mean there's plenty of yes. funny parts in, in within the x-men movies already so just not yeah. as dire as dark phoenix <laughs> please god with the operatic music oh my god all right the next big theory mike is the scarlet witch will create the mutants in the MCU. I read you put this, and this pissed me off because I thought I had an original idea that I'm still going to pitch in our wish list, <laughs> but apparently my idea kind of exists already, and it's kind of this. Yeah, Screen Rant did a big video on there in terms of this whole fan theory encapsulating that. Basically, the theory states that Scarlet Witch is super powerful. She's the only one that was able to really fight Thanos. Mm-hmm. To any effect, she you know she took down all those things in the the battle for Wakanda at the, in, during Infinity War. Apparently, there's a House of M situation where you get into the uh, parentage. You're stepping on my toes, man. So the House of M situation could play out. So your fans know what that is, and it's really reverse House of M, which is very strange. I don't know if they would do a reverse anything. They kind of stick to the comics for a lot of stuff. They totally just flip something in the comics like that. I don't know. The comics have kind of been, at least from what I've seen and what I've read about people that read the comics and go to see the movies, the comics have been more suggestions, more so than they've been like well, hard I, and fast I see that, goals. but just taking something that is canon and flipping it on its head, isn't that risky? Aren't you risking you're, you're going to piss fans off? Even There's though a future fans... past. They sent Wolverine into the past, and the Wolverine's not the one that goes into the past in the comics. Right. So they've done it. That's a fun twist. Is this a fun <laughs> twist? Because it comes down, when you're writing, 
you have to make fun twists that will delight your audience. Yeah. If you can improve on something that's already been done from the source material, everybody's going to love you for it. If you disappoint them, though, now you got trouble. Oh, I, sure. I don't know. All right, there was a video, uh, 12 Ways the X-Men Could Be Integrated into the Avengers. I'm going to kind of rip off some things here. Like I said, they've always been there, Doctor Strange-like. You could have them being the legendary myths and gods and mutants going all the way back to you know Greek mythology in a way. You could focus on the superhero school. I don't know if that, that's hmm. just the one thing that's been there. That's the first mutant thing that's been there, I, perhaps. Hmm. There could have been a mutant accords. Could have been done in secret. The government could have, has, could have been hiding them for a while. Uh, there could have been a mutant plague now. And, th- and this is the big thing that I want to stop and talk about because... You have the snap. Mm-hmm. You have the Infinity Stones being used on Earth how many times? Three times? So I think I read that somewhere. Mm-hmm. So half the people were blipped away, and half the people were not. The half the people that were not could be unaffected, or they could be the ones affected, probably, probably unaffected. The people who were blipped away, that could have enacted something in their gene pool where the X gene starts to work. And I just was watching Days of Future Past where they're saying a, a, a 1% of the 1% become mutants. Yeah, I think that's an easy out for them. I think that's an easy starting point to explain away why all of a sudden mutants started popping up. Now, certainly makes a lot of sense. They can make exceptions to the rule where, for whatever reason, 1% of the 1% of the 1%... We're already becoming mutants, and that you, therefore you have some of the most powerful mutants like Magneto. So you could still have the Magneto backstory go to World War II, etc., etc. I don't know if this works. I don't know if this would make people mad because, again, the kind of the the, the romp through history is the fun part. You can get back to that with the time travel in right. a way because there's time travel worked in mm-hmm. to this X Men storyline. But I don't think fans are going to dig that as much. So I think they have major hurdles to get over. If they do this, because it is rather convenient, I don't. But you need something. If you're going to address the origin of it, my my argument would be you need. First of all, you can't worry about pissing off fans because you're going to piss off fans no matter what you do. Right. Uh, <laughs> unless you're McFeely, which is why it should be Endgame should be nominated for an adapted screenplay. Let's do uh, it. <laughs> secondly, you you need something convenient if you're going to address the origin stories of this all. So you got to have something that that fits not perfectly but it got it's got to make logical sense if you're going to bring it up mm-hmm. so uh, to me it's it's the thing that if you're going to keep the linear timeline and not worry about multiverses and not worry about scarlet witch doing a house of m thing this one makes the most sense to me another theory states that the quantum realm if people were somehow brought to the quantum realm they could be the ones that turn into mutants because jenna van D- dyne you know, being in that quantum realm, she came out with powers, we think, right? So Scott Lang, just like when he sneezes on someone now that passes the X gene over to them? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so the next few theories are basically based on mad science. You can have Wolverine and the superhero program with Cap and Bucky and Nick Fury, and you do something with that. You can have the next Inhumans. They were created by Mad Science. You can have Iron Man 3, the villain in that. You know, he was performing experiments, and mm-hmm. some of those experiments got out, or he didn't care that they got out, whatever. Finally, it could be like a Garden of Eden situation. I thought this was fascinating. All the mutants live in a sequestered area. They did this with Black Panther, essentially. The hidden Wakanda already existed and has existed forever could they do that like wonder woman sort of thing here's my only gripe with that and i think it's a decent idea but how you how are you going to justify a bad guy mutant 
Because if you're all living together in you know in, in harmony and you're trying to stay away from the world and all that, yeah. why would there be a bad guy that all of a sudden comes out conveniently just in time for Disney to have purchased Fox and be integrated into the MCU? If every mutant is accounted for and being they've taken this oath to stay out of everyone's business and just stay in Xavier School for the Gifted, you're gonna have a tough time explaining the convenience of one of them turning bad just in time for this to happen. I think I agree with you on that. Uh, last couple theories. The Nerdist at, at Explaniac there, they, they definitely are in on the snap and the gamma radiation times three and activating the X gene there. I think there. it makes a lot of sense. Marcus and McFeely also said some cryptic things about the a hole in the multiverse where basically the mutants can come through that hole. I don't. That doesn't make sense to me. That's like a Ten Commandments thing. Like, what, all the mutants are just going to come over? The only thing I'll say is that the multiverse could be whatever they want it to be. Yeah. So it's an easy thing for them to play around with. They all, if all of a sudden they want to substantiate that the multiverse has these rules and there's this hole that exists that can alter reality, I mean, we can't say it's not real. It's not true. So do we have another MCU-verse, essentially, where you know you have all the mutants going on and then they come over somehow? I, I don't know if that's going to work. Do we have movies in the yeah, other it's, dimension? It's not one I would, I would advocate for, but I think it's a possibility. Finally, Nerdist was talking about WandaVision... That's going to tell us a lot. That is the Scarlet Witch slash Vision show, which somehow, Mike, takes place in the 50s. How is that possible? They, they time hmm. travel back to the 50s? Hmm. It makes no sense. It's going to have to be her time traveling, right, after Endgame. I would think, yeah. Anyway, she could kind of go crazy and do the House of M thing. Well, you'll talk about more about that, I'm guessing. But I definitely think the gamma radiation is probably the safest bet right now. But I don't even think that works wholeheartedly. So I don't either. I don't know what they're going to do. And all these theories are fascinating. And I think I'm curious to read more comics and at least watch the TV series now. because and I, I was I was loving the Days of Future Past. So this is going to be something I dive back into. I definitely have a, a big wish list because of all this research. I know Look you at too. you with the segue. So yeah, let's run down a couple things that we have on our wish list as far as incorporating the X-Men into the MCU, incorporating X-Men into Disney. Uh, maybe we have some stuff about timelines. Maybe we have some stuff about how it'll happen. I don't know. I know I have a couple like political soapbox points I'm going to make on mine, but let's start. You have more on your wish list than I do, so you start. What's your first thing off your wish list? It's an easy one. Incorporate Deadpool and not just any Deadpool, the Ryan Reynolds Deadpool. Don't mess around. It would it's be a huge such hit. a mistake. It would oh! be such a mistake to t- no to, to, to take to, him away oh, to not good. do that. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree. He's the perfect guy for that role. He's the one that advocated to get it made. You've had this track record of proven success with him. I think it would be such a mistake to do it. If you don't want to introduce him right away, that's one thing. But if you ever do get around to bringing in Deadpool, it has to be Ryan Reynolds. He's going to show up in a stinger scene in the next few movies, right? In some way, shape, or form. He's got you could bring in Deadpool without bringing in the X-Men, too, by the way. True. Because Deadpool has his own comic book arcs where he's interacting with all sorts of people in the Marvel, Marvel world. Sure. So he can totally stand on his own. Okay, what's your first one there, Mike? Uh, my first one is I want to lean into the mutant metaphor and hire LGBTQ actors and allies to play important roles. Yep. They don't necessarily have to play the X-Men mutants themselves, but... In the way that the X-Men have always been standing for civil rights, I think this is a huge opportunity for them to stay grounded, for Disney to be a real 
tentpole and the leader here of the LGBTQ representation in big blockbuster cinema. Hire the likes of Kristen Stewart. I would have Kristen Stewart be your new Jennifer Lawrence in this iteration of the X-Men. I mean, we'll see her kick ass in Charlie's Angel. Mm -hmm. She'll prove that she can be an ass kicker and believable in it. So then bring her in and have her be the leader of these X-Men. That would be my first hire. But you could have Kristen Stewart, Jodie Foster, who I actually also wouldn't mind bringing in as the new Professor X in this new iteration of the X-Men. Laverne Cox, Ruby Rose, B.D. Wong, Aubrey Plaza, just anyone. I think this is a giant opportunity to help out a lot of people that don't necessarily see themselves represented in big budget blockbuster cinema anymore. And it's what the X-Men have always stood for anyway, right? Definitely but- lately, and I, I would agree with you. I think that'd be a smart move on their behalf. And it certainly would give a lot of authenticity and passion to the s- storytelling, which is what the MCU has been about. In yeah. many ways, that's a, that's a part of their formula for success. You bring people who are passionate about this, and, and absolutely that would make a ton of sense. Now, of course, I don't need big-name actors in every role. I think no. that's important. I agree. Like, I, I, I love your casting uh, touch there with Jodie Foster, etc. But, like, we can get some unknowns. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Hugh Jackman was a Broadway player before he was Absol- cast in this yeah. Wolverine role. So, yeah, I agree. Find the next Hugh Jackman. Find the next... I think you need one Jean or Grey. two. Right? Sure. I think you need one or two A-listers or very familiar names. It's typically what they do. But they yeah. also get up-and-comers, too. They, right. they find yep. people who have done five TV shows and have starred in one movie. John Boyega types yeah. who have already proven they can carry a now, movie. Now, I, I just want to reiterate my point. I don't think you need every mutant to be cast by, by an ally or an LGBTQ member. Yeah, sure. I just think there's enough roles. I mean, look at what Peter Dinklage's involvement was. There's enough roles within these movies oh, where you can bring in these people every time you have an X-Men movie. Makes sense. You have a noble wish on your list, and I want the original Wolverine costume back. And the music from the cartoon series. Have that be... I mean, the we saw the Avengers music be awesome, mm-hmm. right? It gets stuck in our heads for the last two decades now. Have the Wolverine music, have the X-Men music from the cartoon series just be a, an orchestrated version. They're going to be smart, and they're going to do it. Just like they incorporated the Spider-Man, the old-school Spider-Man yeah. theme into Homecoming, and uh, I think they're going to have to do it. They're going to do it. But no more black leather, please. No more. Uh, <laughs> I or just so, make a joke about it. I was so disappointed from the first X-Men movie when they got all dressed up, and I was like, where's the yellow, man? <laughs> where's Hugh, the mask? Hugh Jackman took some photos in a yellow suit, yellow-blue oh, suit, yellow and a faded blue kind of deal. and Or at least there's photos all over the internet on him, the original Wolverine sure. suit, the yellow and blue, the yellow and brown. It's out there, and it looks cool. It looks rad. Just do Let's it. Let's do it's it. It's what we all want. What's your next We're one? the ones buying tickets, damn it. Yes. Appease our generation. <laughs> uh, my next one is my last soapbox one. I'm, I know you didn't come to the X-Men to hear our, our pitches on the X-Men to get on hear me go on a soapbox here, but I do think it's important, and you cannot think of the Disney Fox purchase without thinking of all the job loss and job cutting that is going on. So my next hope on my wish list is do whatever you have to do to keep as many Fox holdover jobs as possible. So I don't know if it's best to ask for a big budget on these X-Men films so you can make up jobs to keep people on or if it's better to ask for these films to have a middle of the road blockbuster budget so as to not fire other people in their regular roles but the axe has already come down on tens of thousands of jobs that we knew it would which is going to happen anytime you have a conglomerate going for basically a monopoly. If Disney wants to be this big, bad entertainment monopoly, well, m- monopoly in quotes, I guess, because they don't want to literally be one. Well, they, they got 35% market share of theatrical mm-hmm. business right now. It's something I just read on The Hollywood Reporter this morning. They're big, 
are they a monopoly yet? One third? Yeah, it's not, it's big. Seventy one billion dollars to purchase foxes. Monopoly I mean, a is a strong deal. word. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I, I agree. But you know, people make fun of Disney all the time right now right. for saying, "Oh yeah, we're going to cut hundreds of thousands of jobs, but isn't Wolverine going to be cool in the MCU?" Here's you a, could address that directly. X-Men is going to create its own Atlanta, right? Atlanta's like the center of the uh, Avengers for the last whatever Hopeful, many years. I, I hope so. They're going to create another self-sustaining city in terms of a production company, a production home. Wherever the X-Men is going to be made, my guess is it's going to be its own thing, its own branch of Disney. It's going to become a huge part of the MCU. You might get it being its own thing regardless. They might decide, all right, maybe it's not MCU, maybe it's this other dimension, maybe it's whatever, it's its own storyline, and we get 20 X-Men films. They could do that as well. I don't know what they're going to do, but they can have, in my opinion, another 12 successful films in that franchise just on its own, and that's each one of those, it's its miniature company. I don't disagree. My problem comes in with, you have $71 billion to purchase these company with, mm-hmm. right? I find it very hard to swallow that the only way to recoup that cost is by firing all the people that you're absorbing into your company anyway. If you have that type of money laying around, you can hold off on firing tens of thousands of people on the front end right away and wait to recoup, maybe take some lines of credit out on other places and recoup that money in the back end with this town that you're going to build, with the theme parks that are going to pop up because of it, with the movies that are going to come out. I think there's a way to find a happy medium. I know you can't keep everybody. But it's a tough look if you're shelling out that kind of cash and your immediate answer for balancing the budget is going to be having thousands of adults go to their families at night and say, I need a new job. I don't disagree. I just think the casualties and a major merger like this like this, or takeover, whatever you want to call it, they happen in every business. They have it I, across I know, the board. I know. It's all the time. It's the, the harsh reality of it. Anyway, we'll get back to more fun yeah. stuff. And I have one neg, and it's that... I don't want to see Dark Phoenix done again. I'm with you. I guess I want to see it uh, done right. And I'm even wary of Apocalypse. I know you want it done. I He deserves justice. And that's one of my on my wish list. Do Apocalypse justice. Because I think there's not only such a, a lush story there. Aside from Dark Phoenix, Apocalypse is the storyline that sticks out most in my mind from the cartoon series. Right. And there's a lot of bad guys that are spun off because of a, Mr. Sinister, who's already someone that was alluded to in a post-credit sequence who we're probably not going to get now. There's the four horsemen that keep interchanging that we can always deal with. I just think it opens the door to so many other villains that you want in the MCU. True. I would love to see a proper apocalypse storyline uh, that I don't need to be high for to enjoy. Now, would you want a uh, Josh Brolin type to do a humongous apocalypse, just like Thanos was this humongous? Or do you I want mean, an yeah, actor? Yeah, do you, Mike One, do you want a $250 million budget for a Halloween movie? Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> but All that's right. my preference, you know? In terms of Dark Phoenix, you know, I've seen it done in the cartoon series. Right. I've seen it done in the original X-Men. Then I've seen it redone with the, the new version of the X-Men. And I don't know if it's worked any one time. Maybe it only worked in the cartoon for me. Like, I, it has not worked that well. I don't know if that story works all that well regardless. I think you can get away with redoing Apocalypse sooner than you can get away with retrying Dark Phoenix again. Because Dark Phoenix is just going to be such a notorious flop right now. I mean, and yeah. it's something that's going to be associated with bad times at X, the X-Men on, on movies. Well, just think about the original X-Men arc was leading into Dark Phoenix. Right. 
it was season three of the cartoon series. It, it was kind of the first landing spot that they figured on with the new group, or at least to culminate that trilogy. The good news is, is we're going to probably have five years of non-X-Men stuff. Right. At the very least, Phase 4 is going to go five years, and it's going to be other movies like we talked about. There's seven for them to pick from. So it's going to be plenty of time to hit the reset button. Yeah. So, yeah, that'll be from 2016's Apocalypse. That'll be... What what year is it? Twenty twenty four. So that'll be no eight idea. years <laughs> since Apocalypse, and and that'll be. Can I do math? Twenty nineteen. That'll be five years from Dark <laughs> Phoenix. So we're gonna get some time. Uh, I have. Please don't make redos a habit as one of mine as well, a minor one. So what's what's your next one on your list? Gambit. Finally, Gambit. And please just make him Cajun or make him French. And there's a ton of French actors to choose from. I don't need Channing Tatum as my Gambit. I don't need it. I'm yeah, sure he's really been ready for him. it. <laughs> I'm sure he's been ready. Like <laughs> It's not going to happen. I don't need him to yeah. be there. Like if he can do it, great. If he's got the accent pegged by now. Nah, I think I think he already backed out. I think he's done. I think right. that whole production is done. I think so too. Gambit was my favorite X-Men growing up. So you're hitting he's on awesome. something near and dear to my heart and I think absolutely hire an an authentic Cajun or French actor. This that shouldn't be hard to do. How crazy would it be if he just popped up too? Like do we need origin stories on him? No. All? If he just popped up looking like Gambit, just being awesome and throwing yeah. those cards, you I mean, can that's totally the joy, see yeah. that. I, I, that's the joy of having the X-Men is that you have this deep roster that you, you can call on whenever you need them. Mm-hmm. Now, you got to do a good enough job of substantiating them within the movie they show up in, or mm-hmm. maybe the next one, like you did with Spider-Man and the MCU. You know, maybe at some point they get their own film, but like you don't need Origins Wolverine, Origins Gambit, Origins Jubilee. You don't need all these people, no. Yeah, that, that was another quibble of mine like go easy on the origin story so i got two more after that How, you ready for your next one? yeah i got i got two left myself my next one is use the post-credit scenes to set up all other marvel properties this is something where i alluded to with the dr doom character if you're gonna do fantastic four at some point allude to dr doom maybe in a post-credit scene have it be this continuous universe like the mcu was remember how excited we all were when we saw that post-credit scene they were excavating and found thor's hammer at oh, the end of iron man 2 it was awesome that helps build the universe and i would love to see that kind of continuity play out so you can always even if you don't address it in the very next film you can always come back to it and it saves you time and needing to have uh expository scenes explaining the character when they do show up i mean you're still crazy about black adam right yeah oh yeah a hundred percent a hundred and ten percent all right i've said this already but make these movies funny and fun i know we got to get serious at times but marvel's been able to do that avengers endgame had the perfect balance where you had the romp through time travel, you had the, a lot of funny scenes in there, and then you had it get more serious than they ever got, even with Civil War. Yeah. And Civil War had its moments sure. of being fun and funny. Just the airport battle was so much fun. Yeah, it was. So they got to strike that balance, and that's going to be, for me, what I'm going to study most, because I think that this is their brand now. So I want I want an action comedy, do the Indiana Jones thing, that's where your moneymaker is, right there. I find it hard to disagree. The only thing I would say is that if you do do the tent, my, my first suggestion, if you are going to be the tent poem leader for the LGBTQ, you got to handle that with respect. Handle it with, res- with respect, but LGBTQ people have sense sure. of humor. Oh, yeah. I'm of not course saying, they do. Obviously not Of saying, course yeah. they do. So let's let's make it fun. Yeah, I, I guess my point was just, you know, be wise about what you're making fun of is, is obvious. So, what, obvious. so what's your last one? Obvious advice is obvious is where I was going mm-hmm. to go with that. My last one does hit on the House of M stuff. So I think this is going to take 
it's an incredibly difficult idea to pull off. I worked on it for like a half hour, hour on my own. <laughs> I started and stopped like four times trying to write how I would appreciate it. And I, ha- I kept, got too frustrated because I, I can't figure it out. I'm looking at you, McFeely, Marcus and McFeely. Maybe you guys can because you figured out everything beautifully so far. But mm-hmm. I think there's a way to bring in the X-Men as they are one last time. This group of X-Men. Oh. Bring in the Avengers as they are currently this group of Avengers, because the House of M storyline has to do with Scarlet Witch basically losing her mind, altering everyone's reality, and a decision being made by Professor X to have her assassinated. Mm -hmm. And in lieu of them going through with the assassination plot, she basically has her own version of the snap where she resets reality for everyone. Right. If you start with this version of the X-Men and this version of the Avengers... And you have this House of M storyline, and it's very early in the movie where they have this decision to be made on Scarlet Witch. Again, I don't know how you would introduce everyone and get explain away the exposition of everyone. True. So that's extremely difficult. I, I agree. But if you were to somehow figure that out, and you have this House of M storyline where Scarlet Witch basically alters reality for everyone, you can get do away, reset. Like, remember how old TV shows used to keep the character... But if they had contractual issues with the actor, they would just replace the actor mm-hmm. in the new character. Mm-hmm. You could do that with every X-Men that you currently have. You could have Scarlet Witch's changing of reality, altering of reality in the House of M storyline. You could take out Jennifer Lawrence and bring in Kristen Stewart to play Mystique now. Like, she can be just assume the mantle. Like, these people are just changed because the reality of the X-Men has changed because of Scarlet Witch, because of the House of M. Again, I haven't figured it all out. It has tons of plot holes as I'm pitching it. But I think if you find the right writer to do it, I think there's grounds here to bring in the X-Men as currently constructed, cross them over with the Avengers as currently constructed, and leave with a whole new set of X-Men at the end of it. My brow just furrows at this. <laughs> I just go cross-eyed. I I think this is a great exercise for fans. I think sure. fans really enjoy that exercise. In my opinion, there's no way they're going to do that. I don't know how it would be possible. There's I no, don't. there's no way because the House of M storyline seems to be the finale of a storyline involving all these other X Men. Now, yeah, are you going to bring in the old casts? Like, does that make sense for the MCU to say we we have to do our Days of Future Past storyline, our trilogy? See, in my mind, the whole House of M thing isn't the entire movie. It's like it gets you to Act Two. Well, that's the the inversion is not just to say, all right, instead of making people mutants, all right, the House of M, what it did was it, it took away mutant powers. But if you invert that, you 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 can't do the story the same way. You either have to build it, build up to it, and do it at the very end. Yeah, but I, then I'm going cross-eyed right. because it's at the beginning. Yeah. So how do you do it? So I'm not. I'm just talking about the effect on the X Men. I'm not talking about the effect of of, of the mutant gene in general. I'm you just could confused. if you ch- if you alter reality. If you have a Scarlet Witch snap equivalent, that could be the introduction of not only new X Men but new. Right. So the X-Men could be seen on the same footing as the Avengers. They could be just a different form of superhero. But now with Scarlet Witch's snap, altering reality, we have not only new actors playing the X-Men characters, but we have this X gene that's been introduced into this form of reality, whatever it is. It's possible. I, I agree. It's it's sloppy. And for it to ever be pulled off, it would be an instant Oscar winner if it was something that we all if were satisfied with. Yeah. I, think that, I don't know how you pull it off. I don't either. In the premise. I, I agree. I am as mad as you are. <laughs> in the premise, I'm getting confused. Yes. <laughs> 
I agree. I'm very confused right now. Uh-huh. Anyway, all right. You're going to hate me for saying this. My last wish on the wish list is I want to keep the time travel aspect. I want to keep cable. I want to keep days of future past. I like the time travel aspect. I like the dystopian futures. That was important for my enjoyment of the original X-Men so series. So what, what do you mean by that? Do you want every X-Men movie to deal with time travel like I don't they have No, I want one to uh, deal with it. I want it to be a finale point. Like if you got to a point where you had Deadpool and Cable having some fun with time travel, I enjoyed the fact that Avengers Endgame got to that level. I don't need it in every movie, of course not. I, I love going to space. I love doing mm-hmm. doing a prequel here and there. But I think when you have all these backstories that are romping around history, I think that could be a way to do that again without doing it the same way that the original X-Men seri- film series did it. That's intriguing to me, but I just I really dug Days of Future Past again, and I do think that it was a major forerunner for all of the YA dystopian, like the Hunger Games. Because usually like and historically, the, the time travel aspect has been used as, as a way to get to a reset point, right? Like the fir- it was first introduced in X-Men to get to the Jennifer Lawrence cast. It was used in Avengers Endgame to write out one of the biggest Avengers, essentially, at the end of it, right? So like it's, it's used usually as a plot device for a, a giant reset in these superhero films. I wonder if it'll be used by the Disney Plus series to somehow create the mutant gene, hmm. you know, the X gene, to activate that That seems thing. to be your main focus, right? Is how do you introduce this X gene? Right, because it's a major yeah. universe, yeah. you know, change. Just like Black Panther was, just mm-hmm. like Captain Marvel was. Or really Guardians of the Galaxy was, to just go to space with the, with the superheroes. Different than just going to Asgard. Right. You know, so I think it's a major universe switch to now have the human population just mutants popping up everywhere. But that's the fun of it. Yeah, no, right? I, I I agree. It is gigantic, and it needs to be addressed at some point. I don't think they can necessarily yada yada it away. They're gonna have to give us and the fans some kind of origin story at least. That, I don't that expect plausible. them to yada. Yeah, they're, right. they're, that's not what what. That's not how Disney makes money on these films, is by yada yada plot points away. So I agree with that as well. Um, that was fun. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I like that we can cast a wide enough swath of ideas and possibilities so that way if anything happens tangentially related we to what right. we talked about, we could say we had it first. We had it. We, had, we talked about this months ago. I said a synonym once on a podcast three years ago. Uh, guys, we want to know your thoughts, obviously focusing on not only how will the X-Men be integrated into the MCU, but what, what are your ideas? Have you heard anything did you hear anything read anything come up with anything on your own that we didn't address here as to how this x gene can be implemented into the mcu as well as well as we want all of, all of your comments questions concerns thoughts questions answers i don't know whatever uh, per usual on anything we do here in the mmo empire you could reach out to us we are mike mike and oscar on facebook mike mike and oscar on instagram mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts whether that be tune in soundcloud stitcher spotify google Google Play. I don't yep. know why I keep getting confused not lately. We're everywhere. That. Yeah, we are everywhere. Just type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar. You'll see our cartoon faces waving back at you. If you appreciate what we do here, you can take a couple seconds out of your day. You leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Those truly go a long way. We appreciate that. And we do, in fact, read each and every comment. We do. Whether it's on iTunes or one of the other social media plugs. Michael, uh, what do we have coming up, and what are some words of wisdom that you can give these people into the weekend with? We're going to continue our Tarantino rewatch series heading into Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We will have Inglorious 
Bastards coming up soon, followed by Django Unchained and The Hateful Eight. Then, of course, we will review Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, I think the Tuesday after it comes out, we're going to be a little late on that because uh, you're you're going on vacation. You're going to have a blast, but we're going to have a preview episode. Bad idea on my part. We're going to have something cool for you that week, but what's good about it is we'll get to study We'll get to study that film even more so because it's a big review for us. And we'll give you a deep dive. I'm promising a lot right now. <laughs> We're going to give you a deep dive on it. Just like we've been doing deep dives on Midsummer. We waited a little bit on that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought we had a really awesome episode on Midsummer. We talked about Far From Home. We've done an entire MCU rewatch heading into Infinity War. Then we've reviewed every Marvel movie since then. We've done Marvel movie award shows. We did the same thing with Pixar this year after doing the MCU last year. We love these things, especially in, an, in the Oscar offseason. But to talk about stuff that we're going to do in the future, Mike, we're going to do more speculation stuff like this because this was a blast. I think this is our bread and butter for the Oscars. It's all speculation yeah. in terms of, of what we like to do. So I want to get back to the days where... I used to scour through the movie magazines and look up the next Predator movie or look up the next Alien movie or look up the next movie franchise that I couldn't wait to see. The days of future past. The, yeah, essentially that. <laughs> and that's, that's wisdom right there, too. Rewatch Days of Future Past and don't rewatch Dark Phoenix. Or don't yeah. watch Dark Phoenix. Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We'll see you soon. See you.